Hello, welcome to a very special Talk Filming to Me podcast. There's been something that's happened in Hollywood over the last week or so, and I felt it was our moral obligation to address the elephant in the corner and really call it out for what it is. You may have heard of the subject that's happened. A lot of podcasts have really pulled this to death, and we felt that we should uh, only rightfully stand up for this. Blade Runner came out last week, and this is going to be our review of it. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Every leap of civilization was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future. So, this is our Blade Runner 2049 special. The The previous 48 episodes will be recorded at another time, John. But let's uh, let's kick right on here. Let's just start off with your initial thoughts. What did you think of it? Long. Uh, really good. <laughs> I think everything that I've seen about it, like it, it's kind of purists, it's harks back to the original. It's got great reviews. It's like 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. I did enjoy it, but it it was kind of hard work. And there were people that left the cinema. There weren't many people in the cinema to begin with. And yes, I can see why. But at the same time, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think... Ryan Gosling did an amazing job. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's the best film ever, but and I think you have to really like the original to really appreciate it. But uh, it it was good. What about you? The uh, first, just for full disclosure, for the first time in a long time, me and John actually went to the cinema together on a mandate to watch this. Um, but yeah, to your point, I, I don't get why people were leaving the cinema. To be honest, because what were they expecting? Like here's the thing, it's it's an it's based on the original movie, obviously, and the style and tone the director's gone for, which by the way, the director is absolutely incredible. Some of his previous work, I think it's been a rival and films like that. He's put his own flair on this, but managed to stay very true to the original tone. And I agree with you, it's it is a hard watch. It's probably about half hour, forty minutes longer than it needs to be. One I've got some notes actually for because I know we're all gonna do a bit of a deep dive into this. What I've I found I loved about this film actually was Ridley Scott seems to be really good at revisiting his old properties but not making them look dated. You look at films like Alien and the original Blade Runner, they look at what they think the future is going to be and obviously they they mimic the technology based on the technology at the time. Red Dwarf kind of do a parody of it and say that's why everything's recorded on VHS still. But Ridley Scott's production company seems to be able to modernise his films and his, or his legacy films, but not make them the previous films updated. So it doesn't look chalk and cheese. It looks like it is a sequel, which could have been made only a few years later. Would you agree with that? You're right. You're definitely right. The original, uh, which I watched fully just in preparation to watch this one, I was stunned how good it looked for 1982. I was uh, really stunned how good it looked, how imaginative the future looked. And it's just, I love a futuristic when we're basically at 2017, it was set in 2019. So it's fascinating to me, the little, uh, the imagination and what might have happened. And I I loved seeing the curved small TV screens. (laughs) There's a lot of voice (laughs) activation, which uh, I appreciated. You know, we're getting there in two years. That's not a bad not a bad punt, but um, 
I did enjoy the kind of crappy old screen still rather than holographic images so much. But um, I, but the new movie looks absolutely stunning. I've got to say, it's a stunning sounding and looking movie. But, Would you yeah, agree? Your, yeah, yeah, completely. Like a stunning film. What I, I really liked about the, the tone, and this is something they don't necessarily do in modern film. This is something which is kind of a homage to 70s and 80s film development was this kind of hazy sky effect. You know, like you watch, um, oh, God, what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger one where he goes to the moon? Total Recall. Like the whole uh, the whole Mars, uh, like completely red sky. And there's a scene where they go to, I think it's Las Vegas, or it's supposed to be Las Vegas, and, and try and mimic it, where Harrison Ford finally pops up, which makes me realise how long that film was, because every review I read saying Harrison Ford doesn't pop up till the third act, but when he does, he's incredible. And it was a good two hours in before we even saw Harrison Ford pop up. So, yeah, yeah it's, again, it's, it's a bit of a, a long watch. But I loved the effects and styling stuff, which we haven't seen for a really long time. But back to that point of people getting up and leaving out the cinema. A, I never get that, but what were they expecting? Like, it is well, the original was a bleak dystopian future with a detective story underlaid throughout the narrative, which is exactly what the sequel was. Obviously, told in a different way and told a different story. I'm not trying to say it done a Star Wars, J.J. Abrams, and just basically retell the same story. This is something new in a new level, but what were they expecting? I guarantee they are not fans of the original and they just wanted to see an action movie. I, I just, I've seen a, a few interesting headlines. There's a really good one on Wired that says, our audience is too lazy to appreciate Blade Runner 2049. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. We're spoon-fed, utter, in-your-face crap. And let's face it, a lot of people haven't got the patience or are, are not cultured <laughs> enough to... I'm sounding like an utter snob, but uh, it's true. We we haven't got the attention span to... And we can't appreciate a really imaginative moody movie when it comes to us where we have to kind of do a bit of the work ourselves almost we we're not it's not a spoon fed movie and uh but I, that's one of the things i i liked about it to be honest but like yeah. i said i don't i don't think it was stunning but i i did really appreciate and i guarantee fans cult fans of the original would i think are going to be very happy or are very happy with it I think this film's going to age really well. If you think about the original, actually, that was a bit of a flop when it first came out. And it was only when, I think it was MTV picked it up in the early 80s, or sorry, maybe early 90s, as one of their movies to play on, on MTV. And Ridley Scott done a particular TV edit, which at that point it tidied up some of the effects and it put in a different soundtrack. And that's when it became a cult movie. I have a feeling this one's going to go for a similar line. I mean, I'm really disappointed for the film that it really has tanked at the box office. Um, maybe that's just because of the, you know, is this a film people actually were asking for? I don't know. But it is such a crying shame that it's not getting the recognition in terms of box office revenue because, to your point, it is beautiful. I think the cast do a stellar job. I thought Robin Wright was absolutely fantastic in this film. And also, surprisingly, Dave Bautista. Mm, Dave Bautista. Yeah, he Who was, was the, he? the protein farmer. He was the protein farmer at the start. He looks old now, but yeah, that was that's Dave Batista. Oh wow. I didn't realise that. Yeah, he does not look um he kinda looks pretty haggard. He did a good job, <laughs> clearly. 
how much he's come on as an actor over the last two or three years, right? Like he was obviously the the funny guy in Guardians of the Galaxy. He played a typical Bond henchman inspector, but he really he he doesn't have much of a I suppose of a scene really in this this film, or should I say, he's not in the film for very long. He's only really in the first sort of ten minutes, but he proper gets his acting chops on the go, and I absolutely thought his performance was fantastic. Um, it's a shame his character had to die. <laughs> yeah, always a shame. I think Ryan Gosling really uh, excelled as well. He is he was the person they that they needed for this role. I think he really ran played the line. He's a perfect kind of personality for that because he's very undermined. And then it, and then he'll just get angry out of nowhere. You know, he does his classic angry out of nowhere Ryan Gosling thing and it's so effective in every movie. It's not, I don't <laughs> think he's a one-trick pony, but it is kind of classic vintage Gosling, isn't it? Um, yeah. With those sad eyes. And he, 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 has a, he has the ability to drift in and out of robots, which is obviously very uh very good for this sort of movie <laughs> speaking of performances i thought the performance by you never actually catch her name or i couldn't remember in the film anyway the the robot not robot holographic artificial intelligence housewife partner which yes. becomes a- anna de Amos is her name oh, wow. check out there the brains on john check out the google yeah, she was really good. I thought the performance I always, was fantastic. I think a lot of the time when a human has to play a robot, we assume that it, you'd get a wooden kind of crap actor and it'll it'll do it'll it'll be fine. But I think there's an art to it, and um, I think she, like yeah, you're right. She she played that really well. Um, one thing I will say. Sorry, yeah. you go. One thing that I was surprised about, sorry for our listeners, just in case you weren't aware, we're doing this virtually, so there might be a bit of umming and ahhing, but we'll get there in the end. Um, what I found quite interesting as a story narrative is that, is anyone going to address the fact that he's house, I don't want to call it housewife, the, the AI that is his companion um, outside of being a, a Blade Runner becomes self-aware and confesses her love for him? But does does anyone want to acknowledge that as being like a should the should is the computer program in love with and has hired a prostitute and has projected herself <laughs> on him so she can somehow simulate having sex with him? Why isn't anyone picking this up as a weird thing? <laughs> yeah, well, I thought one of the things about this this story it was kind of almost too conventional. Uh, like the original is so wacky and imaginative and weird. Uh, I found. I don't know whether I, that's because I'm watching a movie that's 35 years old and it has that feeling and mood, but I found it really bizarre in places. Uh, but I kind of I liked that because maybe it's just refreshing. Um, and this one did a bit of that, but it was it ended up being quite conventional. The story in the end, and it, there's a there's a sort of twist. I'm sorry, spoil that there might be a bit of a twist. Uh, but I mean, I didn't see it coming, but you you said you did. So uh... I I did, and we're going to go into spoilers now. So um, five, four, three, two, one. The scene where he first start having visions about basically the the little horse that was hidden in the furnace. And well, to be fair, I fell for the trap as well. I said to I said to John, 
he's clearly um, a replicant who is who who thinks he's a replicant, but is actually a real boy. And um, those are actually his memories. Well, it turns out that's not the case. He actually was a replicant, and that the person in question embedded a memory into all replicants, and they just all shared the same one. Which again, one of the things I found I liked about the film was that it was really easy to kill Harrison Ford off in this story because yeah. they, they, you know, they'll probably do this with Indiana Jones. They've done it with Star Wars. It was a, we're trying to introduce a new cast, a new generation, and we know people don't like new casts and new generations because, let's face it, we all want to be those people and finding out someone younger and more attractive than us is going to take the mantle, pisses us off. So the only way to, to really help ease you in is to get that seal of approval by the original cast member and for them to physically pass the torch, whether that be through an act of sacrifice or for them passing on a power or something to for them to embody going forward. That's what happened in Star Wars. Like I said, it'll probably happen in Indiana Jones when that new one comes out. And in this film, it felt like, at, to begin with, it was very much about Harrison Ford passing the reins on to Ryan Gosling during that third act. But... Thankfully, they didn't go of that stereotype. They did buck the trend, and Harrison Ford does survive. He's he he potentially has another story to tell of what happens when he enters that room with his daughter. Obviously, you don't know what happens from that point onwards. Yeah, I have a I did have a gripe, a cinema gripe that I, I want to go off track a little bit. So we we <laughs> we, we turn up twenty twenty minutes late. I thought that's enough time, and we still sat through fifteen minutes. So it was thirty five minutes after the the time before the movie started and i mean they need to get people in cinemas that's a long time to wait isn't it especially when you're waiting for a movie that's nearly three hours long um, oh god i mean we saw the film what well, well, it was scheduled at half seven i didn't get home till midnight ridiculous yeah 35 minutes of uh adverts trailers i like watching two trailers i think <laughs> and then i'm good to go i'm happy and, with uh, as many trailers you want to throw at me but i don't want to see car ads i don't want to see i've already paid my money to be there so you should yeah. not be getting you from someone else just as an opportunity of me sitting there and forcing me to watch it you know like i want to watch movie trailers because i've come to see a film and yeah there's there's been loads of awesome trailers over the last couple of weeks which i'm sure we'll pull apart in in our regular podcast but i don't yeah I, that's a, a good point i don't want to see tv adverts in a cinema i know you know, times are hard for the cinema and everything else. They've got to figure out new ways. But look, I'd rather pay more money and not have to sit through crap. Mm. Yeah. So, in, I mean, in summary, I'm not surprised this movie hasn't done as well as expected. But I do think it's a good movie. I just think you have to you have to kind of <laughs> assess whether you're going to like. If you like the original, if you're a big fan of that, then go see it. If if not, and you don't know what the original originals about or anything i'd probably would steer clear to be honest but um i'm really struggling with my my score i don't know whether to give it three or four i don't know i think three and a half would be correct for me but yeah. what about you so bear in mind this has been a flop in the box office but um i suppose in terms of the critics this has been hailed as an absolute masterpiece and i think that is just it kind of shows how cinema is crying for something different. The fact that something in a similar offbeat that a film that was made 35 years ago 
is hailed as groundbreaking. I do not think this film is groundbreaking. I don't think it's going to rethink how we do science fiction for the next 35 years like the original did. However, it is very enjoyable if you know what you're letting yourself in for. What is such a shame about this not making the money is that this film didn't feel like an isolated story. I would be really interested to find out what happens with Ryan Gosling's character. I'd be interested to find out with Jared Leto what happens with him. He's barely in the film. He's only in it for like yeah. 10 minutes worth actually it's just scattered across the film what happens with harrison ford there are more questions than answers than i thought would be possible in this film and it kind of felt like you know even by the you know the year 2049 everything else stuck on it that this was kind of supposed to be a one-off it felt like they're kind of edging towards maybe franchising this and i think as a result of the box office not doing so well that that might have to change the plans which is a bit of a shame in terms of my score, I'm more edging towards four because I'm looking at it as a standalone. It's a science fiction movie with uh, knowing the history and what you're buying in for. I I think it's four, but I wouldn't argue with a three and a half. Yeah, I'm glad you evened it out because I'm thinking a three point seven five, but I can't be can't be doing <laughs> that. <laughs> We're getting silly. We are getting um, silly. What? Just before we round up, um, what did you think about Jared Leto barely being in the film after I harked on about how good actor he was at the last podcast and him going blind for the film? Turns out you only used to be blind for that in the day. It's it's the sort of movie he probably feel he probably they probably shot tons of him and then realised the film's going to be four hours long and they had to cut it down somehow to two hours forty. So, uh, but the scenes he was in were stunning though. He, he's he's a special actor, isn't he? The, the characters he's able to play, uh, and this film, they obviously nailed the casting. Like he did, he did a great job. Very true. Right, so there you have it. That is our in-depth discussion of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Tune in over the next few days because we'll be recording, editing, and putting together our regular podcast. Listening. If you've enjoyed this and want to listen to more things like this, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Flint and me at Descamento. Cool. Well, till next time. The future of the species is finally unearthed. Talk filmy to me.